0: Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're taking a look at the updated top 10. That's right, tis the season. We're doing this a couple of times every month now, looking at the updated top 10 order in the 2023 NFL Draft. We're going to talk about certain situations, what teams might be doing, some outlooks. We're also going to talk about some players that are on the rise. It is a stock market Wednesday. And then finally, we're going to get to five of your voicemails that you guys left us for some questions that we will answer live on the end of the show. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell, of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers. Connor, apparently, it's a great day to wear green because we're both wearing green. What are the odds of that? I feel like this is basically the only green shirt I have in my closet and you happen to be wearing green on the same day. Maybe green just stands for stock up because it's a stock market episode. So like we're in the green, we're going up, we're moving that's up. Right. That's, maybe that's what it is. I'll 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 tell myself that's what it is.
1: Yeah, we didn't plan this, although we could pretend we did. Uh, green for the anything. stock up show. Obviously, my favorite show of the week, mm-hmm. as I always make sure to tell you guys, we have a couple players that are on the rise. I don't know, Trevor, if you saw this morning, it was crazy to wake up. And all-star accepted invites are rolling in. Oh, beautiful. For both Senior Bowl and Shrine. Love beautiful. to see that. So it kind of gives you some players that, if you haven't been on top of what they've done this year, you open, we open up Ultimate, check out some tape. We're going to go through the draft order, and we got five voicemails for today's show that are excellent, dude. So I'm ready to roll. Yeah, we've got
0: five, as Connor said, SpeakPipe voicemails that you guys sent in to us that we're going to get to at the end of the show. Um, the reason why we're getting to them on this show, I know that we said normally we'll do it on Thursday, is because Thursday we have a very special episode. So I'll I'll leave you with that cliffhanger until the end of the episode. We'll tell you exactly what we're doing tomorrow. But it's going to be a fun one and because it is a... It has the potential to be a lengthy one. We wanted to make sure that we got in you guys' voicemails into the top of the show. So, Connor, you want to look at this top ten updated draft order to start things off?
1: Yeah. So we got Houston uh set to pick number one overall as things stand. They are one, yep. six, and one. The Panthers at two are two and seven. Then you get an array of teams that are two and six, starting with the Raiders at three, the Steelers at four, the Lions at five. The Eagles picking uh where this <laughs> where the Saints would have picked Wild, uh sixth overall oh, at man. three and six. The Saints are three and six after Monday night football's loss to the Ravens. A couple more three and six teams round this thing out. Arizona's at seventh overall, Jacksonville's eighth, Chicago is ninth. And brace yourselves here, Trevor. The Green Bay Packers mm. are picking 10th right now at three and six and then it's Mm -hmm. weird after that just to touch on it quickly you have three teams picking in a row that are not picking with their own selection seattle has denver's pick at 11 detroit has the rams pick at 12 and the texans have the browns pick at 13 obviously when those picks were dealt they were expected to be in the late 20s they are top 15 selections right now
0: yeah it seems like the teams that have traded have got a really bad deal of this uh the only traded a draft pick that is currently in the playoff simulation right now as it stands today would be san francisco's pick they have the 20th pick and that one has gone to denver so denver has that one in the 20s so via miami yeah Oh, right. Yes, of course. Of course. Yes. Yes. I should have. I should have clarified that via Miami when they made the trade um, to go up and get Trey Lance. So that's the only one that's in the playoff picture. The rest of them you mentioned, it's three in a row right there, 11, 12, 13. And then of course, New Orleans pick at number six. I'll just start with New Orleans. New Orleans in trouble, man. I I understand that we're a week removed from them shutting out the Las Vegas Raiders at home and everything was kind of looking good and Um, They were looking like a decent football team. Obviously, we know that nobody's out of contention in the NFC South because of how bad it is. But when you just look forward, Michael Thomas, another injury that's probably going to sideline him for the rest of the year. That's not good. Um, You wonder how reliable he's going to be for you moving forward into the future. This team is $62 million over the cap. And for as much as we all love to say on this show here that the cap is a myth and that the cap doesn't matter, 62 million is different than like 6 million. If you're 6 million over the country,
1: the country. The country. Say- say- change your identity, go full vacuum store, Breaking Bad, ask for, uh, I forget the name of the part, but... Get the hell out of here. If, I mean, you can move around a little bit. You can't move
0: around $62 million, So that's not looking good for them. The current coaching staff they have there is, oh man, getting a lot of heat from the fans as well. It's not like they haven't figured out a quarterback, right? They've got Jameis Winston. They have Andy Dalton, But are you like, what is that? Two guys to launch? I don't man. You paid Jameis, like, you believe in him at least as a starter for the year. Or at least like with the incentives, right? That he could be, That guy, but New Orleans would absolutely love to have this number six overall pick. Um, I'll say that if there was any thought of Sean Payton coming back from retirement to coach the New Orleans Saints, that's not going to happen because of how bad this situation is here for New Orleans. Connor, it just doesn't look good. and, And the Saints felt like one of the first teams that really went all in to do this whole F them picks kind of a thing where they had drew Brees and they wanted to contend every single year. And they made sure that they either got aggressive for moving up in the first round of draft to go get guys much, much higher talented players that they wouldn't have to hopefully wait to develop to make an impact or just trading these picks in general, not really caring about the draft picks themselves more as getting guys on the team who would be able to help them right away. Felt like new Orleans did that for the better part of the last half decade now the bill comes due right that's always been the phrase is the bill comes due and I think that we're seeing that with the Saints specifically and it sure looks like we're going to see that with the Los Angeles Rams as well you mentioned that the Rams are in that little group of teams just outside the top 10 not picking there but you know from the Brian Burns trade rumors of how much they were willing to give up just to keep this winning window open it it, it feels like they're just in reckless abandon to make the most out of the next two years and they're going to get a glimpse of what life is like on the other side with New Orleans because, buddy, I-, I don't think it looks pretty right now for the Saints. The Saints are in trouble over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, they've been at the casino. They won the jackpot, and then they went back to the casino the next day, and it feels like they have just they just keep losing and keep doubling and tripling down the Rams. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? That's what it takes to win a Super Bowl sometimes, and they'll always have that. But I just look at that organization and go, man, when Sean McVay – leaves for the booth the broadcasting booth what is that organization going to be and it's it feels like the bell was rung a little earlier than we thought like i feel like it was safe to say the rams were going to be a contender this year i don't think a lot of people really believed in them as a repeat champ it's so hard to do in the nfl or even an nfc champ but you thought they'd be a little bit of a contender and it looks like the floor or the ceiling the walls have just kind of caved in on them a lot quicker than anyone expected I think we've talked a lot about the teams
0: at the very top. Yeah, they're not going I mean, anywhere. Right, they're not really going anywhere. It, it seems like for as much as we've kind of gone back and forth on how high is Las Vegas going to pick. Yeah, that's the, that's the big one. I'm pretty confident they're going to pick in the top five at the end of the year. I'm pretty confident at this point. Um Sure. I, we <laughs> we brought it up on the show on Monday, but Vegas has, has three 17-point leads already blown this season. The rest of the NFL combined has two. That's uh, it's crazy. Just, it's just not a good – the team has no idea how to win. There's no winning identity. Josh McDaniels does does not a lot of faith in him right now, what's going on in Las yeah. Vegas. And it's, and it's hard to see that getting better throughout the season. So as we form our mock drafts here, you could pretty much pencil in, at least I'm going to pencil in Vegas on getting a top five pick. And with that, I'm probably going to have them being pretty aggressive for a quarterback because if that's the case, I think there's going to be a lot of movement on the roster, and I'm going to say this is Derek Carr's last year on that team.
1: I agree with that. And where this gets interesting is when you look at the top five and you have Houston, Carolina, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Detroit, the only team in that top five that you think won't feel the urgency or panic button to take a quarterback is the Steelers because they just took Kenny Pickett. Right. And then you have four teams that almost desperately need one. Like Houston, despite the Davis Mills experiment, they need one. Desperate. Carolina, has got to draft one mm-hmm. Vegas I agree with you fully that this is it for Carr he'll be somewhere else next year and, and they'll be drafting one and then Detroit I, I know that regime really believes in Jared Goff but they have to also think life after Jared Goff and it's just man is that my question Trevor isn't it's nothing to do with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud right like we know Bryce young and CJ Stroud are going in the top five picks that's the the lock of the century at this point, unless something really happened to one of them injury wise. What does this do for Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, guys like that, that no offense have no business going in the top five as things stand right now. There's a lot of exciting things about their game, Mm -hmm. but we've seen this song before things get crazy. I mean, everybody thought it was crazy. Josh Allen was going to go in the top 10 and you don't use Josh Allen as an example, because he's an outlier, but that's the point the thought process is guys get pushed up guys get pushed up when you never expect them to and i think it's the classic case of demand and supply supply and demand the demand for quarterbacks in this year's draft seems to be at an all-time high and i don't know if the supply exists but sometimes the nfl makes the supply exist whether you believe it or not yeah no this is
0: definitely a uh Demand-side economics here with the yeah. NFL, and it always is because teams are trying to go after quarterbacks 100%. You know, as you were kind of talking there, it, it the, the thought popped into my head. Of these teams that we see, let's just say in the top five, you mentioning Pittsburgh is what got the wheels turning. If Pittsburgh gets in a spot where, let's say they don't want to do what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen and then going into Kyler Murray. Let's say... Let's say the Steelers end up with the number two overall pick. Mm. All of a sudden, Steelers are a major player in a trade back. Sure. Because, sure, they could sit there and they could take C.J. Stroud if they wanted to, if they really thought that he was better than Kenny Pickett was going to be, if they thought C.J. Stroud was that much better than Kenny Pickett could be for them. But if not, man, if not, let's say Houston's picking at one. Let's say Pittsburgh's picking at two. You then have Carolina, Detroit, and Vegas somewhere in three, four, five. You might have Detroit sitting there. Let's say Detroit gets the number four overall pick. Detroit also right now has the number 12 overall pick because they own the pick with the Rams. Steelers might be in a situation where they're only moving down two or three spots in the draft, and they might get an extra first-round pick this year. Still
1: get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson.
0: Still get a monster player and an extra first-round pick because these teams have to go move up to get a quarterback. I think Carolina would be in the same discussion, and a sneaky team that right now is what? I, I was waiting for the
1: sneaky team. I think we have the same thought process. Please go on.
0: Okay, I mean, is, is it Indianapolis? Yes. Okay, so Indianapolis right now is picking 14th. They are 3-5-1. and one. Now, I'm going to tell you, the one at the end, the tie, is going to screw them. The tie is going to screw them over because for as much as I think the Colts are going to lose a lot of football games from here on out, with Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach, holy cow, man. That yeah. tie automatically puts them half a game better than any of the other teams that they would be tied with in the win column or lack thereof win column. So the Colts and Jim Merce, I think, are going to be very committed to saying we will not, as funny as it is to talk about Derek Carr maybe going to the Colts or maybe Aaron Rodgers going to the Colts or whoever it is going to the Colts, we will not have another bridge quarterback they are i think they're going to be in desperation mode and again a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers if they end up getting a number 2 number 3 overall pick and a good quarterback is sitting there uh they could they could hit the jackpot they could
1: absolutely hit the jackpot in a trade back scenario you're all over it i, I was thinking it uh, and you're right about the tie because if you take away the tie and made that a loss for the colts they would be 3 and 6 and with strength of schedule they would be picking i believe 7th instead of 14th just to put in perspective of how drastically different that tie is. So it, this is I, it, sure. Like we're, we are a draft pod. So of course we're going to say this, but I think we're authentic enough in this show to, cause we just covered a draft that was not like this. Mm-hmm. This is shaping up to be a dramatic NFL draft in all aspects. And that's always because of the quarterback carousel, but you have it all. you have, yeah. The quarterback prospects you have the demand for quarterback prospects you have the order that's intriguing because i mean obviously we're sitting here in november we didn't think vegas we didn't think the steelers i mean we just didn't think those teams would be sitting in the top five i, I mean i didn't think
0: the philly would be sitting there at six either and you know like what does the saints yep. That's, yep that's another wild card that Howie's a wild man and he's not afraid to do what's best for the team you know, the oh, Eagles... they'll get Will Anderson.
1: They'll just they'll just walk into Will Anderson. <laughs> you just know it's gonna happen. Like the only thing I look at that roster and go, they can, and I know they traded for Robert Quinn, but I'm thinking long term. Mm-hmm. The only thing I look at that roster, I'm like, yeah, an edge player would would kind of take them over the top. I mean, that
0: would be that would be pretty sick and twisted if they if the Eagles could somehow get Will Anderson. That would be that would be pretty brilliant, no bad doubt about it. Um, you know, you said you, you said that this was going to be a dramatic draft. I'll use a different D word. I'll say that it looks like it might be a pretty desperate draft. And desperate goes into Good. the dramatics, right? right? But You're right. I think as we look at this class, it's not like, I'm not sitting here and saying that it's a bad draft class. I don't think it's a bad draft class. But in years past, there have been a lot of teams where, shoot, you go back to the 2021 draft, where you had teams that even needed quarterbacks that were like, Eh, we'll pass on them. It's fine. The other skill position players are so good. The other players, right, that they're okay with it. They're not going to get desperate for it. This year, whether it's quarterback need or just an overall thought on the top heavy parts of the class, I think you're going to see a lot of teams get desperate to go up and get what they believe could be a difference maker, especially if it's some of the notable teams like the Packers, like the Colts, um... Maybe a team like New England, right? Like these these organizations, Cincinnati, dependent on where they pick. Uh, these teams that we didn't think were going to be sitting here outside of the playoff picture at this very moment, that might be just in unfamiliar territory. Arizona is another team. Arizona is a team I should have named honestly above uh, above the Bengals. Arizona, Green Bay, and Indianapolis, I think, are those three teams that could really shake things up in a in a desperate way. So that's kind of how I see the the, the picture right now
1: it's crazy man it really really is and it's i mean i'm not gonna go here because i I don't even like believe in this but there's also the argument to be had that jordan love is gonna be unbelievably in the fourth year of his rookie contract Mm -hmm. next year Mm -hmm. i mean if green bay just completely bottoms out right now and that regime i'm not saying they don't believe in jordan love but like what if green bay is somehow bad enough to be in range for a quarterback and you're just, it's just and I'm not saying they're going to take one I'm just saying these are the conversations that you're going to constantly hear with how insane right. teams like that picking in range it becomes it's it's just totally bonkers it is uh
0: it is going to be a fun process no matter what the NFL draft always is whether it's like an incredibly great and talented class you know you think about different spots landing spots for all these guys how each team get better or if it's a class that might be a little bit of a down year which maybe this one's kind of trending towards but that means that it's top heavy and that means that all of a sudden the like you said the flavor for dramatics is there of what teams are going to do and how they're going to get better so we're going to talk to with a we're going to talk about is the uh, is the word i should have used About a couple of those players, as it is a Stock Market Wednesday show. We're going to go three for three. Three guys that I'm going to point out, three guys that Connor's going to point out. But before we get to that, got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Symbol. You've heard me talk about them before. Our sponsor, Symbol, is giving their best offer for new users yet. Symbol offers $500 risk-free deposit for those who join the stock market for sports. If you sign up using the promo code NFLSE, your first deposit comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you were hesitant on joining or simply haven't joined yet, now you can do it with a risk-free deposit. As a reminder, Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Symbol is a peer-to-peer market that took the thrill of the sports betting world and turned it into a stock market to give fans a new way to speculate on your favorite pro and college teams. Now you can win with $500 money back guaranteed. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching SIMBULL in the App Store. Use the promo code NFLSE to get your free risk your risk-free deposit up to $500. Whether you want to invest in an up and coming team Like the Giants, not really up and coming anymore, I just got to say. Or the new top dog in the NFL, the New York Jets. No, I just threw that in there, but that's a shout out to all the Jets fans who listen. Symbol allows you to buy and sell team stocks for profit and uh, benefit off of your sports knowledge. Connor, I didn't sell my Jets stock, baby. You didn't. I still got it.
1: You held on for the Bills win. I held on for the Bills win, baby. Man, that's because they lost in New England. That's why you held. You said if they beat New England, you were going to sell all of it. And you said you were were forced to hold, and they beat the bills. Mm,
0: You love it when when an investment pays off. You You really
1: do. God, we are just the money-making machines on this show. Um, (laughs) Um, All right,
0: who you got? Who you got for this stock market episode? It can be either a stock up, a stock update, a stock down. Who you got for us this week?
1: I got three up and the first one is the update. The next two are definitely new to the show. So I'll start with the update who he hasn't been on a stockwatch show, but he was definitely in our summer scouting. Josh Downs, the slot receiver oh, nice. from UNC, who has just had an incredible season. We talked about him a little bit over summer, wide receiver, punt returner, 5'10 and a quarter, about a, a little bit over 170 pounds, um former four-star top 100 recruit, you know, big triple jump, long jump kind of guy in high school and he's just had a great year with what that everybody knows about that offense cuz what they've gotten out of the freshman quarterback, but when you look at Downs, man, he's just getting better each week at this point. Uh, over the uh season, he's now got 63 catches on 75 targets for almost 700 yards eight touchdowns he's caught 39 first downs already he's only dropped one pass trevor on 64 catchable balls drops was something we did highlight with him over the summer and he's really got that in check and he's kind of living up to who he was i know coming into this year he'd played in over 90 percent of the snaps in the slot this year mm-hmm. he's right around 80 percent. and this was a big week for him 15 catches on 16 targets 166 yards and a touchdown 10 of those catches went for a first down Here's the little things that you love to see on tape. This is a small dude that a lot of his touches are either from the slot or when he does line up out wide, he drops back in for a screen. So they're not really using him out wide consistently. He had a great block in front of a designed running back swing pass. It was drawn up. You knew the running back was getting the swing pass. And he completely turned around a DB. It was really impressive at his size. So I love the way this dude plays. I think his stock has gone up since he was on our radar during the summer, and while he's only a slot-only kind of player, he's an incredibly impactful one.
0: Yeah, I, and strength was a big part of his game that I wanted to see him get better at, whether it was blocking or with contested catches, really is is the the way that you would see that a little bit more. But it is good to see that he is being a little bit more physical in in a lot of different ways because when I watched him before, I even have in my notes while you were talking, I was going back, I was like, what did I say about him during the summer? And I actually said in there, I was like, if you like Jackson Smith and Jigba, you might be able to get this guy two rounds later. You know, if you don't get Jackson Smith and Jigba in there. But I wrote that he doesn't seem as physical. He doesn't have as good of a knack for finding open space. But this year he is certainly putting his best yeah. foot forward. He's playing a little bit more outside. And um, yep. I, actually, I actually got to chat with him about three weeks ago, I did a feature piece for PFF and I asked him about playing outside versus inside. And he's like, I, I like doing outside. It's just we have so much success with me being on the inside. And um, I understand how to attack different leverages with guys when you give me kind of two ways to go about it. I can manipulate defenders a little bit easier. So he's like, it's just yeah, we're reaping a lot more rewards with me in the slot. But he was saying that he doesn't mind going on the outside. Man, his quarterback, Drake May, is he's unbelievable dude this guy might go number one overall in two years yeah he's that good he's that good he is that good so it's fun to watch those two it's fun to watch that connection if you guys haven't watched it yet check out a unc game because you're not just watching josh Downs, but you might be watching a future top five pick for 2024 all right where is my list uh Derek hall the edge player yeah. for Auburn, somebody who I've been waiting to get to for a long time, who's a senior coming into this year. Six foot three, two hundred and fifty five pounds. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about him during the summer, and I, and I didn't really get to have a chance to watch him during summer scouting. Really stuck out to me with his numbers this past week. Um, he's got eight. He's got eight sacks and thirty eight pressures on the season. He had two sacks this past weekend versus Mississippi State. I went to look at him. I was like, okay, this is a good time to go look at Derek Hall, see if those moves and those stats were um advantageous sacks or if they really were uh really good pass rushing sets and you know what I came away being pretty impressed with him he is I I don't know if this guy's going to be a first rounder just because he's not as at least from what I watched I watched that game and I watched the one before so I watched two games of him he's not the most flexible dude but he's really explosive for 6'3", 255. He's strong, man. That speed to power work that he can go off with is, is really nice. And Auburn knows what they're doing. They put him in really good positions to succeed. They know that he's not going to you know, have a Von Miller-type ankle flexion and really get around the outside and attack the outside shoulder with a lot of bend. But they know he can attack it with both speed and power and a good combination of it. So what they'll do is... They'll take him from what you would expect of more like a five technique defensive end. They'll stand him up and play him at more of like a seven technique, even if there's no tight end there. So it's much more of a straight line angle to where the quarterback's going to be at the end of his drop back. That way he can really target the outside shoulder while getting full speed and full momentum. And you can definitely see him. You could definitely see him club rip or just a normal rip move to try to get around the outside shoulder and he can he he puts that on display but really what's impressive is when you give him those two or three steps to get his speed going oh he will he will fire into your chest and he will knock these dudes all the way back and even for a quote unquote successful block of him in that situation the offensive tackles getting knocked 2 3 yards back towards the quarterback like no matter what even on uh, a, a rep where he might get locked up a little bit after that. So really a powerful player like the strength that he has to set the edge, um, like the speed and the explosive that he, that he works with. If you're looking for a super bendy edge rusher, that's not quite him, but I would say he's a, he's a really nice, I think second round pick of a player that you pick along the defensive line. He's
1: got some good all around game for you. So I like Derek Hall. I really did, man. I love that. I mean, he, was obviously at the top, one of the top of the food chain pass rushers in ultimate this week of when you look at the production, you go, "Oh, what did he do now? Cause we talked about him over the summer and it's just good to see that carry over into some results. So, um, hall is right in the mix. Like you said, where I I think we, we talk about a lot of rushers on this show and we haven't really gotten into the like outside of round one guys. And I think Mm -hmm. he's going to be a big name in that territory it's just we haven't gotten to him yet because it feels like this class is once again pretty deep at edge. It maybe doesn't have a superstar outside of Will Anderson where there's competing superstars, but there's a lot of guys that are worthy of round one conversation, and that kind of leads to talented players like that trickling into rounds two and three. So, all right, so let's introduce some new players to the show. Let's do it. This one, this one's a lot of fun. Keandre Coburn. Uh, The the, uh, D line from Texas. This guy is every bit of a tackle. He is over 340 pounds. I know he's six foot two. So he's not like he's not the tall. Isn't Jordan Davis high? This guy's got some fire hydrant. Somebody tweeted at me a while ago, not a while ago, a couple of weeks ago to come up with a nickname for somebody using the Zelda reference, the Great Plateau. This is the Great Plateau right here. 342 pounds. I love it. they call him Snacks, but that was already <laughs> Damon. Yeah, that was Damon Harrison's nickname in the NFL. I guess this could be the new age Snacks. Man, he had the game ending strip sack against Kansas State, 50 year senior. This is the ultimate pocket pusher kind of guy. And I think what Texas wanted from him, judging by the quotes I've seen from him and how much he loves his coaching staff, they looked at him and said, Listen, at your size, we know you're, we're going to sit your ass at, at the nose or the one somewhere inside. And we are going to rotate you. You're not going to be this, you know, a snap hog. You're not playing 95% of the snaps a game. But instead of just eating space and stopping the run, develop as a pass rusher. And he really has. He really, really has this year. When you dive into his pass rushing ability at that size, he's grading out over 90. 90 90.2 pass rush grade, 168 pass rush snaps. He's winning at 19.1% clip at that kind of position that's a good metric he's got three sacks two more quarterback hits 19 hurries and when you watch the sacks it's him carrying guards or centers just into the lap of the quarterback that's what he that's the kind of strength he has and i think we're used to on the d-line seeing shorter d-line that staffs trust to put out there despite their size they can win leverage this dude also carries the weight of a guy that's typically 6'4 or 6'5. He plays lower to the ground. He has so much strength in his base. And when you manage his snaps, especially his pass rush snaps, I mean, Trevor, there's just no other way to say it. The Great Plateau, he's a lot to deal with for any guard or center. They just don't have the kind of mass and force that he has. Dude, I'm I'm watching
0: his I'm watching his sacks right now. I pulled up, I pulled some tape at the snack the sacks while you're saying that. This Oklahoma sack is hilarious. It's very funny. They have him lined up at zero tech. So he's just the nose head up helmet to helmet against the center. And they have him doing some Vita Vea shit where he immediately crashes to the tackle.
1: Yes. All the way to his left. Like the full hoop. The phone loop on the he field. Goes,
0: he goes across the center, across the guard, and even tries to hit the outside shoulder of the tackle in this. This is what Washington did with Vitavea. Yep. And then he hey, ends up, and then he ends up getting the sack on that play. That's he funny.
1: actually now the quarterback runs himself into that he does. sack. Right, but but right. he kind of crosses up the tackle a little bit, like a little shuffle. He gives him a little more than he thought he was getting. Yeah. Good. And then the other two, yeah, pure power. Um you know what? Once again, this is one of those dudes that, you know, he's not going in the first two days of the draft, but you look at him and go, the right staff looks at a player like that and goes, we have the right role for him, the right rotational role for him, where if he's not just a space scenic run defender, and honestly, I think he's a better pass rusher than a run defender, which is kind of ironic. I mean, this is, this, this is a lot to handle this kind of dude. And he's somebody that, you know, and he also has the benefit of the all-star circuit, right. being a fifth year senior. When I watch Texas, he's somebody that he's starting to make a lot of plays. Okay. All right. I got to, I got to watch a little bit
0: more of him. This this is hilarious. This tape is, this tape is absolutely hilarious. Okay. I'll watch, I'll watch more of them. You know, you, you said, okay, that he might not be a guy who goes in the first two days of the draft. Um, the next guy that I'm going to talk to or talk about is absolutely going to go in the first two days of the draft. Might even go in the first two picks of the draft, buddy. I got to talk about Jalen Carter. And, oh, and, and the weekend that he had as georgia took down tennessee uh we went into the season i can't remember did you have Jalen as your
1: number one player no i i had him as my number two overall player so i believe i think i
0: i did as well and i remember yep, saying two. i remember saying this uh when we were going over this episode I had Carter as my number one guy for a while. and then the week of when we were finalizing the big board, I went back and I watched Will Anderson. And I'm like, ah, Will's
1: just so good. We recognize how tricky it was though it, and it, it was Still and that's, is. that's that's, Still and that's is. the
0: thing you know like we're we're doing a lot of mock drafts and I feel like Jalen Carter's name gets pushed down to pick number four or five, and everybody just sits here and accepts it. This dude's unbelievable. This is one of the most talented football players that I've ever seen. It's it is stupid. Yep. He's a junior this year, six foot three, three hundred pounds. For anybody who didn't know the measurables off the top of their head, unblockable against Tennessee, unblockable. He was on a defensive line with future number one overall pick Trayvon Walker, with Jordan Davis, uh, with um, oh, who is the uh, who is the other defensive tackle? Who is- oh Wyatt? Yeah, yeah, Devontae Wyatt. Right, Nolan Smith was on that defensive line. And everybody was talking about this last year. Jalen Carter, the one who's not draft eligible, that dude's the best of everybody. And this this year, especially this past week, he reminded everybody of why you get to that point. This guy has every chance to be an all-pro player in the NFL. And it's... I really try to not be hyperbolic about that when you talk about college kids, because college kids translating from that level to the NFL, not just on the field, but off the field as well. There's so many things that you go through in life that set you up certain ways that give you confidence to be allowed to play the way that you do on the field. You're drafting people as much as you are players. There's so much that goes into success on the football field, even beyond just individual talent. But from what I see from Jalen Carter, I am fully confident in saying this dude has the makings of being an all pro player at the next level. Multi-year all pro player. He's stupid. The strength that he plays with, the speed that he plays with, the violence in his hands. I mean, you're watching him go up against these Tennessee guards. And anytime he was one-on-one with a guard, Connor, they're hanging on For dear life. I mean, he is just straight. He is push-pulling these dudes. He is swim-moving these dudes. He is club-ripping them. And they are hanging on for dear life so that their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, does not get killed back there. There was one snap that I watched that was absolutely hilarious because he had a bunch of pressures in this game against Tennessee. And I was watching the pressures. Connor, one of the pressures, he got triple-teamed. He got triple-teamed and still got a pressure. There was a center and a guard who were keying in on him. And the running back who was in a block had to step up against Carter because he was getting so much interior push by splitting the gap between the center and the guard when they knew that that was their one assignment to get in his way. And yet he still recorded a pressure on that play while getting triple teamed. He is somebody who talent wise would be worth a number one overall selection. I fully agree. He is that kind of a game wrecker um, for as much as we love Jalen Carter And what he's been able to do over the last two years from this weekend, you have to say stock up and you have to recognize it. This guy's as good as, as you could possibly want an interior defensive lineman to be, man. I've, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I scouted Warren Sapp coming out of Miami, but Warren Sapp was so unbelievably strong and quick for his size. It's what made him a hall of famer. It's like that kind of a combination with Jalen Carter.
1: He's pretty rare. I mean, you know what even stood out to me when you look at the tape? That hit he had on Hendon Hooker in the end zone. We're seeing so many NFL games where players are called for, like, launching and landing is kind of what they call it, where they launch at the quarterback and they land on the quarterback. And it's... Mm -hmm. I mean, good luck trying to diagnose what's not and what is a penalty in the NFL when it comes to hitting quarterbacks. But Carter... He hits with his arms and hands without even falling. And Hendon Hooker, who's not small, goes flying. It's like he got struck by a tornado. It's, (laughs) Dude, it's crazy where you just look at him and go, man, I don't think Jalen Carter knows how much torque and raw power he's even playing with at times. And he's still young. He's still really young. And he's been this good for this long where you get him on an NFL program you look at him and you're like, man, what is this guy going to be, right? Like, what is this guy going to be? So, I'm with you. I, I think he's – if someone took him number one overall, I'd be like, I'm not killing that pick. Like, yeah,
0: what, guy's what are gonna you know, what's going to be great. Yeah, what are you going to get on? Oh, you got an all-pro player. Crazy. All right, who's You got an third? all-pro
1: player where who's... there's – I mean, really, how many great interior defensive linemen? Great. Like, and I'm talking rounded and can take over a game where they're in the league right now. Aaron Donald, Jeffrey Simmons, Quentin Williams. Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Chris Jones was great for years and still is. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure we're missing some, but like it's not a position where there's just overwhelmingly loaded with rare dudes like that. Damn Hayward.
0: Yeah. Cam, just just shouting him out. But yes, I mean, it's not like we've got double digit guys they are game wreckers, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. And, and and I mean, like, who cares? I mean, you're looking at even the guys that you name there. That's who they are. They're game wreckers. You want yep. those players in your team. Interior disruption can completely F up a play the way that a lot of those guys do, the way that I think Jalen Carter can do. So um, I, I we we just threw out a lot of really great names that he would be in the conversation with. And I tried to uh, curb it a little bit at the beginning, saying he's still got a lot to prove and he hasn't even played mm-hmm. a snap in the NFL yet. But it's hard not to get excited when you see performances like what we saw from Jalen Carter this past weekend.
1: Who's your final guy? Drake Thomas, the linebacker from NC State. Um, okay. Someone that... All right. You know, this kind of fits the Coburn conversation. I don't think it'll be a a day one or two pick, but he's just a smaller backer that is everywhere against the run. He has 27 stops this year, and stops are basically a, a negative or like a nothing play, a play that does nothing for the offense. He has 27 stops, 11 tackles for a loss this year. Over the last two weeks, they've been getting him going as a rusher blitzer. Uh, where he has three sacks and six hurries just over the last two weeks. So that NC State defense obviously has has plenty of talent in it. And Drake Thomas is somebody that he just sees things before they happen so often. It feels like he always shoots the right gap. He always finds himself in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage when the running back gets there. Um, he's been really, really good against the run this year, but now he's getting his footing rushing because they are letting him blitz more and more. And for a defense that, I mean, once again, they they just have plenty of talent. He just he just flies around week after week, dude. I mean, he's he's so funny as a linebacker.
0: The build, the long hair, the tattoos, number thirty two. It's awesome. Center of the defense. I I don't know where he's gonna go in the draft. I haven't I haven't sat down to really study his tape. I've only kind of seen him a, a little bit, but I know a lot of people like him. I know a lot of people really like him. I don't know. It's like a first round pick, kind of a like him, but yeah,
1: uh, no, but. Still, man.
0: Day three, maybe. Day two, maybe. I don't I don't don't know. Again, I don't want to speak on it too much, but would it
1: shock me if he's like he has the Malcolm Rodriguez road where it's like, hey, this guy's tape is awesome. And everyone's like, we don't care. He's short. And it's like, well, it's really good. And he does everything good. And his height doesn't matter. Everyone's like, really don't care. He goes in the sixth round and then training camp comes and it's like, hey, this guy might actually be on the field right away because he's really good. And none of that other shit matters like it never does. So, yeah, he's probably in for that road. Honestly, I'm not saying he should be a, for a round one or two pick, but you could already just see where that's going to go. All right. Okay.
0: Last guy that I'm going to shout out. It's it's one of my Florida Gators here. And we didn't. I don't think we've talked about this yet here on the show. So, Brenton Cox Jr., who was a player that you brought up as a stock-up guy after one of the good games that he had this year, no longer on the team. Um, they what a weird career. They dismissed him from the team. Uh, after the Georgia loss. And in his place this past week, Princely Yuma Malin is the guy who really took over for him. Now, he's been playing, but he really took center stage as a pass rusher this past weekend against Texas A&M. He's only a redshirt sophomore and he wasn't starting before this. So for him to come out, he would really need to light the world on fire, I think, over the next month. But just to get on your radar, six foot five. 245 pounds and those long arms are nice man he is somebody who they're putting him in a position to really be a star pass rusher for the first time and it's he already has such a good baseline of understanding of how to win i was seeing him set up Offensive tackles in a lot of different ways. He was going across their face. He'd fake a couple of steps inside before he put his foot in the ground and then hit a little swim move to go to the outside and then around the outside edge. He did the same thing reverse where he was coming to the inside. I also love how he's always very conscious. That he is six foot five, and those long arms are to his advantage. There was a ton of time where he'd come off the line of scrimmage and his arms are fully extended, right? Like he's not letting offensive linemen get into his chest. He's using whether it's one or two arms to create that distance. And from there, he's either giving him a little push pull, he's either giving him a rip, he's swimming around him, something. But those long arms were proving, especially this past weekend, to be very, very difficult to block. And it was, I, there were not many times. When I felt like Texas A&M offensive linemen were able to truly get their hands on him, so Princely is somebody who I'm really gonna have my eye on moving forward. Not a ton to say about him yet. The grades are pretty nice throughout the season this year. This past week was definitely his his best week, but a unique build for a player who is an edge rusher who's now going to clearly get a lot more opportunities as a full time edge rusher. So definitely got to keep on your radar because of the unique build and now the opportunity that he's getting.
1: Absolutely will. And it's man, what a it just goes back to what an odd career for Brandon Cox Jr. at Florida. Very strange. Very I mean, it was it felt like a surprise when he returned. Obviously, there was a time where he, he transferred from Georgia, right? That's how long I'm trying to think how long yes, he's been. He did. Transferred from Georgia, stayed around Florida longer than I thought he would, now dismissed from the team. Pass rusher that ran hot and cold. It's just and now he's declared for the draft after being dismissed for the team. So All right, three up from each of us for the week.
0: Three up. There we go. Those are the three players that we had our eyes on or that we got some eyes on after watching a little bit of them from college football that this past week. As always, we'd love for you guys to tweet at us. Give us some comments, who you've been watching, who stood out in your eyes, whose stock is up in your scouting reports. We said that we would get to some voicemails at the end of the show. Now I would love to get into that. Hold on, I got to pull them up here. We got five that we are playing today. So, Connor, if you have these, oh, yeah. um, I'll just do a little three, two, one, and we can both play it because the audio is going to play. We're going to give the audio to Ryan so you guys can hear it crystal clear. But uh, we'll listen to it right now. You guys can listen to it as well, and then we'll get going. All right, you ready? Yep. Give me the count. Right. Three, two,
2: one, go. What is up, Trevor and Connor? Connor. Uh, huge faithful listener of the show really appreciate there's all the educational value that y'all provide about team building for not only bad teams but also good teams that so often gets overlooked and ignored by sports shows and i don't know it's just a market that y'all have capitalized on so really appreciate that and also just how entertaining y'all are to combine with that i uh, wanted to ask y'all me and a friend were talking about Aaron Rodgers and whether or not, you know, I as a Jets fan would want to trade Zach Wilson and two first round picks for Aaron Rodgers. I said absolutely not. And I even said that be I given the contract situation and the future outlook, I wouldn't even trade Zach Wilson for Aaron Rodgers straight up. I still see Zach Wilson as a guy that could be what Tony Romo, Chris Sims, and Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator of the Rams, Mike Martz said that he could be which is a superstar quarterback what do you think about that what is the future outlook of the jets quarterback situation and and just the jets team building in general thank you all
3: right
0: he didn't say his name at the beginning did he
1: I do let think me he double did. check
0: i don't think he did because I, I obviously I'd i would give, love the uh, trevor and connor i would love to give you guys a shout out to my name but yeah. uh I don't, think did not, I don't but
1: i love the uh love the voicemail
0: well, no, it was great. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you leaving a voicemail and getting in on the show. Who, Connor. I'll let you, of course, start this one. Zach Wilson and two firsts for Aaron Rodgers. And then if you say no to that, Zach Wilson straight up for Aaron Rodgers. I think this is a good way to discuss just the Aaron Rodgers situation overall yeah. and then also our views on Zach Wilson overall. So I'll let you get the floor first.
1: Well, first off, a- hell no. Absolutely not. And I whatever Either you think. Them? Either of them? Definitely the first one. We'll get into the second part in, a, in just a minute. I mean, this would go against what I said on Sunday, Night Show. Like, what are they doing with Aaron Rodgers' contract, right? Or Nobody's bailing you out of that. So it doesn't matter what you think of Zach Wilson. You could think Zach Wilson is the worst quarterback in the world, and that doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers and his contract is the answer for two first-round picks. That's the issue, right? So, no. I mean, Aaron Rodgers will be 40 next season. He doesn't look overly or happy or overly interested at the moment right now. Everything's gone wrong, and some of that has to go back to him at some point. The bigger conversation is, would you trade Zach Wilson straight up for Aaron Rodgers? Mm -hmm. It just depends what the market looks like, right? Say Zach Wilson is just shows this year he's not the guy. And he had a nice, bounce-back, efficient game against the Bills. So, like, this is probably also not the great... If you wanted to argue after the New England game, you'd have an easier argument. So Right. And that's life of having a young quarterback. Week by week, everything changes. I, I just... Why would anybody take this contract right now? Why would anybody take this contract on at all with what you've seen from Aaron Rodgers this year? Yeah. I, I would you not... Know anybody listening to the show, just do yourself a favor and Google Aaron Rodgers over the cap. And... You will get your answer right there. Why Aaron Rodgers at this moment is untouchable for a trade? You can look for other replacements if you don't believe in Zach Wilson, but Aaron Rodgers cannot be the answer. Why don't we go to Aaron Rodgers over the cap right now? So this
0: season, Aaron Rodgers is thirty-nine years old. He is twenty-eight million dollars on the cap. He's been bad. He's he's been not great. He's been not. This week was definitely his worst week, no doubt about it. This this week. So next year he is forty years old. And he is on the cap for 31 million. 2024, he's on the cap for 40 million. 2025, he's on the cap for 59, and then 53 in 2026. It is a wild contract. There is a hundred million dollars in dead money if he's cut next year, sixty-eight the year after, forty five the year after, twenty two the year after that. So basically this contract is Aaron's gonna Aaron's gotta retire before it's over. And I believe I, I think I, I read somewhere. I don't want to be spreading misinformation, but I read somewhere that somebody said a lot of that number for Aaron Rodgers doesn't get paid to him until, like the the almost the beginning of the season every year. So if he retires, you know, in in February, March, April, whatever it is, they're not paying him that money just for him to retire like the roster bonuses I think don't happen until much later so there is a lot of flexibility for Rodgers to kind of be able to retire whenever he wants obviously the deal gets very lucrative for him the longer he stays around but you know when it comes to the trade discussions no you wouldn't do that if you're the Jets of course because Aaron doesn't even look like he wants to play right now why, why would you like even even beyond the this versus Zach Wilson age thing like Rodgers doesn't even look like he wants to be out there. Now, does all that change if he gets traded somewhere? Maybe. And I do still think that Aaron Rodgers has a good arm and he still uh, has the potential to be one of the best He's still better than
1: people. Zach Wilson
0: right he's, now. Like right, I know I said he's
1: been bad and maybe that was still harsh. better
0: than Zach Wilson. Yeah. And that is a that is a um inarguable fact.
1: But just, yeah, there's you a cer- but you certainly
0: would not trade Zach Wilson in two first round picks for this current version of Aaron Rodgers and him straight up for Aaron Rodgers is simply something that you wouldn't be able to do until the end of the offseason, uh,
1: because the trade deadline's already passed. But yeah, but with that money swap, here's the issue, right? Because you're saying Yeah, you're hey, talking about go, We go love ahead, go our ahead. core. We love our core, but we need more from the quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So you you plant your flag, the Aaron Rodgers, like, okay, he's gonna lead this young core. If you take his contract on, because you're not paying a quarterback right now. Can you pay Quinn Williams $20 million a year that he's due? I don't know. You know the Jets cap no, space. I, I, no. Like, so it's it's not even – you're just running yourself into a corner where right. the reason you do the move actually doesn't work. So that's kind of why I'm so adamantly, you know, against something like this because it just – the logistics don't add up. All so. right. But it's good, it was a great question. It's a great question because face it. value, it seems insane to say, oh, no – Franchise that never has a quarterback. I, we're too good for Aaron Rodgers. Like, but there actually is some, you know, explanation to it. Right, right. No, it was a good question. It was a great question. Appreciate uh appreciate the person
0: recording it, getting in on the show here. All right, what's the next one, Connor? I'll go to right. three you go if you got it pulled up. We'll do yep. uh three, two, one, play it.
3: Hey guys, love the podcast. Um uh, been thinking a lot about I'm seeing Will Levis uh dropping his stock certainly falling in a lot of drafts. Um, just wondered, like, what do you guys think of like him potentially falling to maybe like the early to mid twenties? And you see a team like the Giants, who, um, you know, looking at their schedule the rest of the year, it's looking pretty favorable to the point that they could maybe get to the playoffs. But you also wonder, do you think they go all in on a guy like Daniel Jones long term, or do you think they? You know, if you could get a guy like Levis with the physical traits and, and Brian Dable, who's worked with a guy like Josh Allen and, and with physical traits like that, do you think the Giants take a swing on a guy like him in that range? Um, and do you think Levis even falls to that range? I'm um, just kind of seeing what you guys think about that. Thanks.
0: Well, it's a great question because it brings up uh, the talk about Will Levis. And I feel like Levis is all over the place right now. We opened up the show talking about dramatics or desperation this year for teams. And um, Connor, I know that you've seen this as much as I have. Will Levis is getting like top three overall hype right now. People are talking about him as a top five overall pick, um, him potentially being the third quarterback off the board. Shoot, sometimes even second or first quarterback off the board in certain situations. All of that is way too rich for me right now when it comes to Will Levis. The first part of the question was, how would you feel about the Giants taking him somewhere in the 20s? I'd love it. That That would be the most appropriate spot, but we know the league doesn't really work that way. So I think it would be realistic from the Giants' point of view to do something like that, or a team like the Giants, whoever it is, picking in that spot. It doesn't seem like that's realistic of where people are holding Will Levis. There's a lot of people who are really plugged in to NFL circles who are putting Levis's name consistently in the top 10 of mock drafts, and they're getting that from somewhere. I don't think they're making that up. Uh, They're watching the same games that we are. So that's kind of my overall thought process with that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I I think it's a great point because the Giants seem like the perfect landing spot when you look at value, development, Can they get a bridge deal done with Daniel Jones that, you know, when you get that bridge deal done with Jones, you could still draft a quarterback that gets the opportunity to sit a year or two behind him. So it's a really interesting point. I think the reality is Levis is going to go significantly earlier than he should, and that is going to accelerate his development, whether that works for him or not obviously an accelerated development often works against you rather than for you mm-hmm. uh, as we've seen with a, a lot of these guys right like it's it's all like a lot of these guys recently have had that problem so yeah it's it's the right idea i think that he will be evaluated though where he will go higher than that and the giants quarterback situation is a it's going to be a fascinating conversation for us on this show and they have the, a lot of ways giants
0: have to figure out quarterback before the draft, right? Cause yeah. nobody, it's not like Daniel Jones is under contract. It's not no. like they can hold on to him and then see what happens in the draft. If you're going to make a decision on Daniel Jones, you got to make it before the draft rolls around. So um, that's also tough that the giants aren't necessarily in a sit back and wait kind of a situation. Now maybe Daniel Jones market in free agency isn't very hot and they can afford to bring him back. Maybe There's on always a, someone, cheaper deal but it's not going to be for like rookie money it's not like it's going to be for total chump change so even in that feels like a best case scenario you might be paying daniel jones uh what i'm totally guessing here but 18 20
1: million so dollars I a at, year i looked like, up ryan Tannehill's contract trying to come up with a you know daniel T- got
0: paid didn't he
1: he did Tannehill got a four year 118 million dollar deal yeah jones is not getting that he isn't but what what did we start the show with? I, you're right. No, we started I, I to show with like that it, too many teams need quarterbacks and there's not enough supply. It's true. I'm thinking I'm of myself something getting around to like
0: but... three years, seventy five. You know where it's going to be like twenty five million a year, and that is that is no BS, right? And like... that, that that's the thing is that that's not that's not chump change. So are the Giants going to sign him to a deal like that? Just to then draft somebody in the first round or even oh, entertain man. drafting somebody
1: in the first round. I don't know. We're throwing around. If the around third numbers. year of the deal was not guaranteed, then you could do that. Which you probably wouldn't be, but. But this Who is knows? what I think of, Trevor. Like, I think of, like, say, the Ravens keep Lamar Jackson. There okay. is going to be a team out there that goes, we can win with Daniel Jones. 100, four year, 100 mil. Here you go. Three fourths of it guaranteed. Somebody will do it. And I don't even know if I like fully blame them. Because of how bad quarterback situations are. All right. I know. All right. All right. All right. All right. Voicemail number three. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. In three, two, one. I lied.
4: What's up, Trevor and Connor? My name's Evan. I'm a huge Chiefs fan since I was born. Um, I just wanted to know what you guys thought on the upcoming draft for the Chiefs. I was thinking the two areas of need would be edge players and wide receivers i just wanted to know what you guys thought about maybe taking a solidified edge like a felix and DK uzama or a um tyree wilson at that spot or knowing that the chiefs can be good without that pass rush like they have been this year Do they take a flyer on a Kayshawn Bouti or like if Jackson Smith and Jigga falls that far, maybe they could pick him just for that wide receiver upside. Uh, Let me know what you guys think. Um, I love your podcast. Thank you guys for coming on every week.
1: Big shout out, Evan. Big great question. Yeah, big shout out. Great question because I think the Chiefs are so draft relevant this year, even in a year where they are still a Super Bowl contender. I mean i think i no, i had jalen hyatt going to the cowboys did you have jackson smith and chigba go to the chiefs on our latest mock draft you might have did i either
0: Brother, way I can't, I can't
1: remember what i had for breakfast yeah same uh i think the point is the chiefs are in a good spot because like you can get a BJ jillari in that range you can get a really good wide receiver mm-hmm. and, and Trevor, I'll throw it to you right now. I want to look up the contracts at, at wide receiver that they have as well. I, th-
0: I think I think it was a lot more dire before the Kadarius-Tony trade, right? I think, point. if I remember this correctly, Sky Moore obviously is under contract in a rookie contract. They have Kadarius-Tony now for two more years under contract. And I think the other one is Marquez-Valdez-Scantling. And I think those are the three wide receivers that they have there. And if you want to say to yourself, hey, we got to upgrade that area still, you can, but it's not as desperate as it was before the Tony trade where you could have said, wow, we only have a rookie and then one other guy under contract so they could afford a lot of movement. Maybe Juju Smith-Schuster's gone, Miko Hardman's gone. Those they're guys both are gone. free agents. Yeah, and they're kind of figuring something out. But we figure Kansas City's probably going to pick in the back end of the first round. I think edge rusher is definitely something that they could be looking at. They've just got to get younger at edge rusher. I know they have um, George Karloftis as well, and I think Karloftis is going to be good for him, but maybe more of a speed presence that they could get thrown in there. I will say uh, offensive tackle is something that they might really need to look at. Andrew Wiley and, and Orlando Brown Jr. Are, are a duo that has allowed one of the most pressures, if not the most pressures, in the NFL for a right and left tackle. So like if if you can find yourself a pretty good offensive tackle to take a chance on, I think that that's a good spot to do it. It's always a really good spot to take a wide receiver at the back end of the first round. It just, no matter how deep a wide receiver class is, it's at least deep enough going through the first round where you can get a really nice player there. So I think that they'll have an opportunity to get a wide receiver in the first two rounds. You normally want to go after trenches if you have those needs and they have both trench needs. So I'm thinking first round pick really lean towards edge rusher or offensive tackle. um, Just depending on who's on the board. And then if you don't really like the selection there, you can definitely hit wide receiver. If not, I still think you can get a good guy in the second round as well. So that would be my overall
1: attack plan for the chiefs. It's funny how different, it feels when you're talking about receivers and they're playing with Patrick Mahomes. You're like you, oh, you, you uh, could wait. Yeah, like I love the idea of that guy there. So okay. Of course. Let's we got two more. Let's yep. knock about here. All right. Three, two, one.
3: Hey guys, been big fan of yours since your early podcast days. Love the show. Frank here, a uh, big Seattle Seahawks fan from Ireland. Just with the uh, the Seahawks being the surprise team in the NFL this season and them being loaded with draft picks, what do you think they should do to really reset that t- team?
0: Big shout out Frank, listen from Ireland. Shout out Ireland. Uh Seattle Seahawks future draft picks they have because of the Denver Broncos trade. Two first round selections this year, two first round or two second round selections this year, third round pick, fourth round pick, two fifth round picks and a sixth round pick. And then next year, obviously, they have all of their scheduled picks as well. Um, as it stands today, their first selection is number 11 overall in the draft, so within the top 15. And then their actual original selection, because they're playing so well, is a number 23. So they've got 11 and 23 right now, and then they've got similar spots in rounds two uh, to be able to attack. Connor, I'm curious, do you have a game plan for the Seattle Seahawks? It's very interesting how many good young players are already succeeding on that team to where they're drafting, I don't want to say for luxury, but they got some flexibility here on on where they could attack with these certain picks.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to build up the defense again, right? It's what it comes down to. You get the Geno contract done. You like your offense. Your offensive line is very young and very... uh, They've overachieved already, so you feel good about that trajectory Mm -hmm. with where those guys are. Kenneth Walker looks great. You know you have a ton of talent at wide receiver and tight end. Those tight ends are blocking their asses off and they could all play. So, load up the defense. I mean, this is a great spot to be in right now when you look at the situation for Seattle where, I mean, you take that Denver pick, right? Say we're at 11 right now. It, It almost makes you wonder, and they won't do this because they need a lot on defense. Although, their draft was so good, I don't know if they need even that much on defense. Would they be able to move up and go get one of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Like, that's what I look at with Seattle. And I'm like, man, can you get a difference maker? Because you're really good right now. You're really, mm-hmm. really good. They get Jamal Adams back next year. Uh, they lost Jamal Adams to the season at the beginning of the year. So, you know, it's right. And Ryan Neal is already
0: playing really well in his place. at strong safety. So, yeah, so I gotta feel good about that anyways.
1: To me, it's the front. I would I, I think totally. they need a pass rusher and I think they need one both at D tackle and edge. So that's where I look at for Seattle and think they're in such a good spot to, to get that, especially at 11. Even if you don't get Will Anderson, you don't want to go up for him. It's really good players, man. Just really good players. You get all those guys on Clemson right now. I know Andre Carter hasn't had the year people hope for, but he's still a good prospect that maybe you're looking at with that pick outside the top 20. Mm-hmm. Seattle's in a really, really good spot.
0: They are in a good spot. I think the way that you would probably want to attack this as of right now, if you're Seattle, of course, things are subject to change. That first pick you're probably going to make as an edge rusher. I agree with you. If you're not getting aggressive to trade up for it, you know, guys like Nolan Smith or or Miles Murphy, if he's still there, Jared Verse, um, Brian Brzee. I think one of those guys that I just named is going to be there for you to pick um, whether you're towards number 15 or whether you're closer to 10 or in the single digits. I think one of those guys is going to be available for you. You can attack edge rush there. Then I think you can save that second first round pick For a wide receiver, I'd love for them to get more talent at receiver. I really would. I know that Tyler Lockett's still playing well. I know that uh, DK Metcalf is, but get better, man. If Jordan Addison's sitting there at the back end of the first round, if Jackson Smith and Jigba's sitting there at the back end of the first round, go get them. Continue to make that offense productive. Give Geno Smith some weapons. When you get into the second round and having those two picks, there's a handful of guys you can go with. If you didn't hit receiver yet, Parker Washington is somebody who I like Jalen Hyatt's another player who I like if you, if if you hit receiver, but you haven't hit defense the way that you want to Mazzie Smith, the Uber athletic interior defensive lineman from Michigan is a good choice. Siaki Ika, your dude from Baylor could be a really nice piece on the interior there. If you want to get, you want to get spicy with it? Maybe get yourself a Darnell Washington. I love Darnell Washington's fits with the Seattle it's Seahawks. It's so clear. It's so Seattle Seahawks. And whether it's the back end of the first or sometime in the second, I like that one a lot. Will McDonald, I'll give him a shout-out, too. We've talked about him a couple months ago on the show, the Iowa State defensive uh, defensive end, who's a big, long defensive end. who's playing really well this year. So that's just kind of how I would attack it if I was a Seahawks. They're in a good spot, to. Uh, have some flexibility here with how they can pick and what positions they prioritize and letting the draft kind of come to them.
1: I like it. All right, we got one more to close out the show. Let's do it. Right, two, one.
3: What's up, guys? This is Brian, longtime Jets fan, so I've been following Connor's work for a while. Just got done listening to the mock draft episode, and the Jets are in the 20s. What? Well, a lot of season left, so we'll see where they end up. But my question is actually about the Colts. Uh, we keep talking about who the Colts are going to get for QB next year. I mean, how many other, how many chances is Ballard going to get to pick a QB? I mean, I know he hasn't drafted one, but he's had about three different veteran options in there. So I'm just wondering how much room is Ursay going to give him? Thanks guys. It's
1: a great question.
0: Great question. Brian, shout out. Thank you for listening to the show. Supporting Connor's work all these years. Look, I, you know, I said, you know, Connor's work's directly tied to the Jets. You know, I said that it was Connor's birthday on Sunday, and that was the direct reason why the Jets beat the Bills. I'm sticking to it. Trevor has tons of stock options with the Jets. He does some podcasts with me. That's very true. That's very true. No, the Indianapolis Colts. It's a great point. And I don't know if Chris Ballard's safe. I really don't. Because, for as much as there's players to like throughout the entire roster, they constructed the O line and the O line stinks now. If the O line stinks to the point where this team is real, real embarrassing down the stretch, you might just have to fire Chris Ballard as a scapegoat again. Like, you, you, like, that it feels like that's what it was with Frank Reich, especially with you firing Frank Reich and then going Jeff Saturday as your interim head coach, it's not like you were firing Frank Reich and then couldn't wait to get this young up-and-coming coach to give him a shot at interim. So clearly, you are just firing Reich as a scapegoat. That's it. That's all this move was. When you, when you did it at that time, that is exactly what that says. Ballard might be the next one to go if this season takes an absolute plummet. I don't know if him and Urse have had conversations of, hey, I'm giving you one more cycle here. We're keeping you around no matter how many games that we win this year. And I'll let you have one more free agency and one more draft. Let's see if we can slingshot this thing. Because, dude, the Colts roster was supposed to be good going into this year. They were supposed to be good. And maybe it was just a shitty year for them. I mean, there's reason to believe that next year could be better even if it's mostly the same players. So I think that that you've got to evaluate. Uh, A lot of people have loved Chris Ballard over the years in his drafts, but there's no doubt about it that those voices aren't as loud anymore for defending him no matter what. So he is very close to the hot seat as well. I'm curious, do you think he's safe or do you
1: think he's gone? Judging, you never want to judge by what someone says, right? Ursa in that presser strongly indicated that Ballard We'll be back. The problem is, like, Ballard's sitting next to him at a presser. Right. He's not going yeah, no to, yeah. There's no other way to answer that question. Right. There's no other way. Even Jim Irsay, who is like one of the most wild owners and Clearly doesn't like, care. Yeah. So, the thing is here, Ballard, there's a lot to know here. Ballard has, I would say, as much respect in the scouting community as almost anybody in professional football. And that is including established GMs that you think like will never, ever go anywhere. When you ask anybody in, in the scouting community about Chris Ballard, I mean, you would think the dude invented the Bible of scouting. And credit to him for having that kind of clout. Right. So Jim Merce having a guy with that kind of reputation that scouts want to go work for you. People want to go work for you. I think it does mean something here. Now that doesn't make it right. At at some point, Ballard's got to get it right at quarterback. I actually think if Ballard got let go after this year, he's one of the rare guys that will get a second chance to be a GM elsewhere. I I really, I would agree. I think that that would be the case. I think that would be the case, but it's tough, right? It's it's really tough. I mean, I like Frank Reich a lot. And it felt like Frank Reich, yes, they didn't produce. But, I mean, what has Frank Reich been given there, right? Like, when you look at the situation, why? what was the point well, of... Well,
0: how much did he have, say, getting Carson Wentz is, I think, the big one, right? were whatever he, his options. did, But was he, like, pounding the table, like, yeah, Carson's yeah. our guy. I, I, I don't know. Those behind the scenes conversations are the ones right. that sway whether you should be fired or not. I, I don't know. Who no, you right. Who knows?
1: I, I think th- they've just made a mess of things right now, where it's hard Literally. to even digest yeah. this whole thing. And and fun fact, we're gonna we are gonna digest this entire thing. All right. But, that's good. All right. All right. Yeah. That's good. That's right. Good.
0: It's good. That's we that's are. Good. You want to tell the people? Tell the people. If you are
1: listening to this on its release date of a Wednesday tomorrow in your if you're a subscriber and if you're not, what are you doing? What are you doing? We are I mean, fixing are you... the Colts from top to bottom. We are, we are doing Go, baby. Colts. We have done fixing the Panthers. It is now time to fix the Colts. It's Frank fired. So we will have a longer answer on all of this, but I, I, I do want to try to answer the root of the question. If I have to say yes or no, I think Chris Ballard, going to be back next year. And I think it's a valid question to ask at what point at which quarterback swing is he not? And I think, it, got, it ties back to the open of the show. Trevor saying the Colts are the wild card team of the draft, picking at 14, but they could go on a tailspin right now and lose and be in the top 10 very easily. This is why Will Levis can go in the top 10, because Ballard sure. has tried the veteran route many, many right. times. Right. And if you were hired by the owner with the reputation of being one of the best scouts in all of professional football, you are going to have to make your pick in the draft at quarterback in the first round, and I think that adds to the layers of drama in this year's draft.
0: Yep, yep. I uh, I think I I would lean that way as well. I think that Chris Ballard is safe, but we're going to we're going to dig into that and all of the other layers of the Indianapolis Colts went what went wrong and how to fix it on tomorrow's episode. If you guys enjoyed how in depth we were going into the Panther situation when they fired Matt Rule, we're going to be doing that same thing for indianapolis so uh i'm very much looking forward to that i always love because you know connor and i try to cover as many teams in as many situations as we can but uh we're just two young men and there's only so much time in a I'm day but a on lot. these on these certain situations it is really cool to get to get into the weeds of a team and be able to give our opinions once we uh once we really kind of figure out all the facts and, and and get to the bottom of it before we get out of here uh got to talk to you guys about our friends over at mojo got a question what if you invested in tom brady stock as a rookie sounds crazy right well if you did your investment would be worth up to four thousand percent of whatever you put in when he was a rookie today it's not just a what if question but now it's a who's next mojo is the all-new sports stock market that lets you invest in your favorite athletes and cash in on your passion sign up right now on the apple store to get your first stock for free which could be worth up to thousands of dollars Over 300 players are listed in Mojo, so you could invest in players like Kenneth Walker, Tariq Woolen, guys that are very up and coming, some comeback players of the year like Geno Smith, Saquon Barkley, or even superstars like Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, or Patrick Mahomes. Go long to make money when an underrated diamond in the rough breaks out, or you can short sell an overrated rival that you don't like if you think they're actually going to flop. Love Prices that. move with every play, every game, every headline, so you can buy and sell anytime, instantly, all year long, so the action never stops. Mojo is live in New Jersey right now. So download Mojo in the Apple App Store today and start turning playmakers into moneymakers. You must be 21 years or older to use Mojo, located in New Jersey, to make trades. If you got a gambling problem, help is available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit Mojo.com for more details. Texas and Colts coming up tomorrow.
1: You heard it here first.
0: We're going to the, fix the it. Colts.
1: They might it. call us after the show. That's what the Colts you if Jeff Saturday. Whole point boy. of this
0: podcast is just a consulting firm. That's all we Yes.
1: Mean. Could you imagine the headlines? Uh colt's hire PFF podcast host both six five two forty three 3% body fat to run Front office operations alongside Chris Ballard for 2023.
0: Thank you for saying our measurables. You know, a lot of people, we in those voicemails, are like, you know, how big are you guys? And it's, you know, 6'4", 3% body fat. That's yep. what it is. That's what we're going to say from now on
1: we're done right, for we're, the day we're
0: gonna yeah we need to be done for the day uh we're gonna have a lot of fun on tomorrow's episode on thursday make sure you guys check in on that thank you to everybody who sent in your voicemails keep those coming speakpipe.com backslash nflse we will always get to as many as we can throughout the week whether it's a wednesday show or a thursday show we love getting you guys in so shout out to everybody who sent one and got in on the show if you haven't yet it's a really cool way to get in on it and we would love to hear from you for trevor Sikma, that is connor rogers Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We'll see you next time.